As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter 1. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy-to-read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Ask NT Wright Anything podcast. Well, hello and welcome along to today's edition of the show. I'm Justin Briley, Premier's Theology and Apologetics Editor, and the person who has the privilege of sitting down with Tom Wright on a regular basis to ask the questions that you have for him. And today, looking at your questions on Genesis, creation, and evolution. And today's show brought to you as usual by Premier, SBCK, and NT Wright online and I'll be letting you know about special offers from SBCK towards the end of today's show. You can find out more about the show, further videos, how to ask a question yourself and more resources by registering at asknt.wright.com. You can also support the show too to receive our special ebook from Tom with various questions that he's answered over the last couple of years on the show. And if you're listening from the states, we'd love you to do that from our new website there, premierinsight.org and click on Ask N.T. Write Anything. Had some lovely feedback uh, that was left actually as a comment uh, on the podcast, uh, on a a review of the podcast by Michael McDavid, who says, I'm a big fan of N.T. Write. I nearly quit being a Christian after falling away from the fundamental stiff views of my tradition when I thought all was lost until my lovely wife, Victoria, gave me the New Testament in its world for my birthday last April. She said it was on her heart to get that book, after seeing it at the local Christian bookstore. What that book did was spark a new hope in my heart and really helped me in my life. Since April, I've read numerous books such as Surprised by Hope, The Day the Revolution Began, Simply Christian, and a few other books by other wonderful authors. I'm now going to Bible College in my hometown in Canada to hopefully be a light in my community and beyond. All I can say is thank you, Tom, for your work. Lord bless you and Justin. Michael, what a wonderful comment to receive out of the blue. Uh, as feedback to the podcast wonderful thank you so much for sharing that great to know that your your faith has been revitalized as it evidently has by by tom's writing and i hope you're getting a lot out of the podcast as well um and you can leave a comment too uh, wherever you're listening to this on podcast it really helps others to discover the show like michael uh, by leaving a a podcast review and a rating uh, wherever you're listening from and uh, michael and anyone else listening may be really interested in seeing tom um speak at this year's unbelievable conference happening on saturday the 15th of may unbelievable.live is the place to book 
your seat from wherever you are in the world and we're making it happen at a time that will work wherever you are hopefully in america especially how to tell the greatest story ever told is our theme um, how we can tell that story afresh to a new generation and loads of other great speakers joining us for the day lots of ticket options a premium ticket with bonus stuff or uh, for the first time a pay what you want option as well we don't want anyone to find that finance stops them coming along to this year's conference so do book your place now at unbelievable.live and we are looking forward to welcoming many people from all over the world for this special online conference unbelievable the conference 2021 well time to get into today's edition of the show Well, we're returning on today's show to issues around Genesis, creation, evolution, Adam and Eve. Um, these these frequently come up. And as ever, this isn't your main area of expertise. And I'm sure you will frequently point people onto other scholars in this area, Tom, when it comes to these sorts of questions. So so I'm sure you'll, you'll do that as we go through some of these. Um, but let's let's just start with uh, Eric in Williamsport's question. He's in Pennsylvania um, and says, um, do you believe in a literal six-day creation event? This is what I've always been taught, but there is some teaching that the Hebrew, you'll have to help me with, with the Hebrew here, Tom, uh, tohu wa bohu, is it? Yeah, in, in Genesis 1, 2, translated in English as without form or void, is in reference to millions or billions of years and possibly another civilization that may have existed before us or the realm of the dinosaurs and so on. Uh, is that viewpoint supported by scripture? So essentially, I think Eric asking if if you do take a sort of literal interpretation of Genesis, the early chapters, is there still room for sort of a large epoch of time in which, you know, other civilizations yeah. and so on can, can yeah. exist. Um, yeah, I, go ahead. I, I want to say to Eric, um, I understand where the six-day creation stuff is coming from. Um, I've written a little about the backstory of these debates in a couple of chapters in my book, Surprised by Scripture, and I can't possibly summarize it all here, so please do get hold of that and look at those chapters because I think it's really quite important also, I would strongly recommend books by my friend and colleague, John Walton, who teaches Old Testament studies in Wheaton College, Illinois. And John has written several books, including a commentary on Genesis, but also a remarkable book called The Lost World of Genesis 1, where he says, look, let's go back to the time when Genesis 1 was being written and see how people in those days would have understood this idea of the six stages of something being put together. And he argues very strongly that that sequence of six, with then the seventh being the time of rest, describes in the ancient world the creation of a temple, a heaven plus earth structure, very carefully ordered. So one, two, three, and then four, five, six kind of map onto each other in interesting ways. I can't explain that in detail right now, but do please read what he said, because it opened my eyes, and I think has opened many people's eyes to the fact this text was never meant to teach a literal six-day creation. The idea of the literal six-day creation came in particularly because of rationalist critiques of Christianity in the 17th and 18th century, with then Christians saying, oh dear, we have to shore up our belief in the, the, the Bible. It must be literally true or we're all doomed. Um, and then this idea of literalness 
becomes a sort of a wooden one-dimensional thing and Genesis is anything but wooden and one-dimensional. Of course, part of the answer is Genesis 2 is also a creation narrative. It doesn't sit woodenly firmly on top of or underneath Genesis 1. These are two great, amazing, epic, poetic descriptions, and they are meant to work together and to, to give us a sense that the, the ultimate truth of creation is something bigger than both of them to which they are both pointing. And that, I think, is really, really important. So I wouldn't pin this on Tohu Wabohu in, in Genesis 1-2. I think nobody in the ancient world would have imagined that this referred to six periods of 24 hours. For, for a start, the first one or two, the sun isn't even created yet, so how do we know what 24 hours are like? Um, and so on. It's a richly poetic, imaginative story, which doesn't mean that it isn't true. It means that the truth of God's creation is much richer than simply a kind of bare mathematical account uh, of how it happened. So that's perhaps the most important thing to say. Okay, we'll, we'll continue digging into this with other questions yeah. that have come in here anyway, Tom, uh, such as John in Sydney, Australia, who is an earth and environmental science and geography teacher, says I've studied earth sciences, I teach biology and astronomy to year 10s, uh, but I do have uncertainties about the age of the universe and the age of the earth's timeline, uh, where humans come into that timeline. And the whole evolutionary process from primordial soup to human beings it seems to John, at least, vague and far from definitive. Um, and so John's question here, is human evolution a plausible scientific theory based on the scientific method and reliable data, i.e. sapiens are at the end of the line from other primates? For instance, John Lennox in Seven Days That Divided the World suggests there's a reasonable faith in a supernatural God bringing humans into the story or timeline by direct intervention or creation, um, therefore, in a sense, separate to that evolutionary tree of life, um, and that there could be backing for that from the Genesis text. Um, uh, and, and so I'm not expecting you at this point, Tom, to, to sort of, you know, have a lot to say on the, the specifics of genetic, you know, where maybe we go to your friend Francis Collins for that sort of stuff. But the the um, but this is an interesting question, because because there are those who say even within a sort of an old Earth view and, you know, a, a, some sort of evolutionary story, there's there, there are those who would say, nevertheless, humans are a special creation that sits outside of that. And that's important often for theological reasons. It might be that they believe that, you know, to have sort of some sort of sense of original sin, you have to have a, a first de novo couple, if you like. Um, and obviously others who say, no, it's just, you know, we are part of a, a group population, but that, uh, if, you know, God perhaps selected a first couple or that this is more meant to be understood as some sort of general sort of idea that, that humans took on some form of consciousness and moral responsibility to God. And, and we just have a picture of a first couple given to us in Genesis. So there's, there's a number of options on the table that people have talked about. Be interested, obviously, in where, where you stand on this. I'm sure John would like to hear that. But what you make of those who maybe do suggest, as, as he suggests, John Lennox might be hinting at that there is a sort of a case for a special creation of a first human couple. Yeah, uh, thanks. I mean, Justin, you've summarized that brilliantly and actually in some ways answered it for me. Um, but but yeah, I, I wrestled with this some years ago when I was working with the Biologos Foundation. You mentioned Francis Collins, that's his brainchild and he brought me in on that, which was very exciting. 
And I started to think about the way that the book of Genesis actually works and the way in which the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob again and again echo the story of Adam and Eve. There are all sorts of verbal links. And just so it began to dawn on me that just as Abraham is chosen out of the peoples of the earth and given a very specific commission, a very specific covenant and knowledge of God, etc., etc., to carry out God's redemptive purpose for the world. So it looks as though Adam and Eve are a primal couple chosen from among the proto-hominids. And uh, as you say, I'm not going to get into the specifics of exactly what hominids were around at a putative time, but chosen and given um, a special vocation, a special awareness of the creator, a special sense of being charged with a task that out of all the creatures that were around, God chooses this couple and says, now I want you to look after my creation and you must be fruitful and multiply. And this is an, an outflowing purpose. It's like Israel being placed in the, 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 the Holy Land and being given a command. Adam and Eve are given a bit of territory to, to, to launch this project from. And it remains deeply mysterious but this, this actually hooks up with, with another question that we've asked from Shirley in Hastings about where Cain's wife came from. And I, I link those two together because the first time I thought about that, I remember thinking, oh, yeah, Cain marries a wife and has children. Who is this lady? Um, was it his sister? Did Adam and Eve have a daughter and he married her or, or what? And I think, no, it, it's, it's not like that at all. I think Cain goes out and there are plenty of hominids, plenty of human-like people out there. Um, and Cain uh, starts a family. And then before we know what's happened, Cain has built a city. Well, he hasn't got enough siblings and offspring yet to build a city. So who are these people? They must be other hominids who are around. And the Adam and Eve project is to bring God's order into the otherwise chaotic ongoing sequence of events. And again, I, I'm, I'm not a geneticist. I'm not um, an anthropologist. I can't give you chapter and verse in terms of whose research backs this up. But simply reading the Bible, this seems to me to make a lot of sense. Um, I see that, that quote from Sydney in Australia about John Lennox saying, um, you can have reasonable faith in a supernatural God bring, bringing humans into the story or timeline. I want to raise a slight red flag there, this word supernatural, because up until the 18th century, supernatural meant stuff that ordinarily happens, but within which God does new things. But from the 18th century onwards, it's tended to mean, well, the natural world is over on one side of the table, and then there's something called supernatural, which is completely different, which is God breaking in and rupturing the whole process. And I want to say, well, God is God. God can do whatever God wants once. But this seems to me more supernatural in the first sense of God working with the grain of his creation to say that within that, there is now something new that I want to give, something which will bring wisdom and delight and fruitfulness in a whole new way to my creation. So, um, that that's how I would read it. And again, I would stress this is not my primary field, it's not even my secondary field, but this is how, since the New Testament refers back to the early chapters of Genesis quite a lot, this is how I've come to read those chapters. And I think it behoves us all not to get caught up 
in the rather sterile debates of the last 100, 150 years, particularly in America. Um, but to say, and Sydney is an earth and environmental science and geography teacher, earth science is great, go for it. Um, there's lots we don't know. You say it seems vague and far from definitive. An awful lot of science is like that. I listened to a program on the radio yesterday when I was in the car um, talking about how in, in chemistry and physics, a lot of what happens happens through people immersing themselves in the data and then coming up with guesses at hypotheses, which they then have to test. And while that's going on, it is vague and far from definitive. But thank God that that's what the scientists do, because that's how the whole thing advances. Just one final question. This is my one, really, keying in on some of what you said there, Tom. Um, I mean... How important is it that we do have a sort of an idea in our head of of how it works in the timeline, um, whether it be, you know, a group, a, a pair of hominids, a special creation? And, and how, how how much does it make a difference to those issues that some people do seem to, to invest a lot of importance in around? You have to have a first Adam for, you know, Jesus to be the second Adam. Uh, you have to have a you know first couple in whom there 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 is this rebellion this sin this this original yeah. sin that which then kind of gets passed passed down that line i think i think that's quite important which is why i why i reject the idea that genesis 1 is just about gradual evolution of hominids and there are lots of them around etc that adam and eve is just a cipher for um you know hundreds of people roaming the middle east or wherever it is um i do think that it indicates that at a certain point out of the available hominids, God actually shapes and chooses a pair who are given special responsibility and then mess it up. Um, and of course, that whole narrative of Genesis 3 and 4 is itself, uh, Genesis 3 particularly, is itself deeply, richly symbolic. What is this tree of life? What is this tree of knowledge? Um, the, these are very profound, um, and I do not have an inside track on them. I wish I did. Um, but the idea that this is two people, the like of which there's never been seen anything remotely like it before, and that they're in a literal garden with two trees. Uh, no, I think this is a failure to read, a failure to understand what sort of a story this is. But, but in that sense, you don't treat it as history in that sense, um, as we would call history no, today. But, but, but the fact that it isn't history in the sense that we would mean it, and, and it couldn't be because we can't research that, it is the, you know, um, the fact that it isn't that doesn't mean that there, that there can't have been a first pair um, who actually did mess up and who, since they had been tasked with responsibility for bringing order to God's good creation in a new way, then when they mess up, God can't just say, oh, well, forget that. Let's do it some other way. God is then committed to working through Adam and Eve's descendants, which is why he calls Abraham. Mm. And, um, and, I, and I, I, again, I'm pressing you on things that, that you're well, we're, we're welcome to say. I, I just don't know, Justin. But, <laughs> but is it important in that sense that, that we are then descended from that particular pair? I, I suppose, and if the science said no, we've got all kinds of different you know genetic yeah, I, I, traces from from the other hominids in us is that I, a problem I'm sure, I'm sure we do and i don't know the dna of that but um uh, i don't see that as a problem in the same way that it isn't a problem that i'm not descended from abraham physically um we are incorporated into the family of abraham and the adam and eve project was intended 
to bring the whole creation, including surviving hominids, into a new way of being, a new responsible, wise way of looking after God's creation. And in that sense, we're all, we're all part of that. Um, of course, what that challenges, which needs to be challenged anyway, is any idea that sin is a kind of a genetic thing passed down through the act of sexual intercourse from father to son or mother to daughter or whatever. Um, We need to think more wisely and more flexibly about that. Um, But but yes, I I am here, obviously not on my not on my primary field, (laughs) as is no doubt obvious to many listeners. Well, I could recommend one book that, that's really stirred up this area recently, Joshua Swamidas, um, a book called The Genealogical Adam and Eve, um, which uh, he's been in, in dialogue with people like Francis Collins and others over um, a very, very interesting new new area of research. He's a so-called computational biologist and, and, and a Christian and has made some really interesting um, ideas, opened up some interesting ideas about um, the way that we could understand the the, the genesis story in in, in well, simply email with terms. that detail because i'd like to see yes. that yes i will i will anyway for now thank you very much tom thank uh, thanks for much. these questions as well and uh, i hope i hope they've been helpful in some way and uh, we'll see you again next time Well, thank you for listening today and for your questions on Genesis. And just before the podcast ends, we've actually got a treat for you. Tom recently teamed up with a world-famous geneticist to perform a rendition of a song they wrote together. So listen out for that shortly. Uh, Next time, we'll be looking at your questions on evangelism. And uh, don't forget that SBCK, Tom's UK publisher, have some special deals on Tom's books too for podcast listeners. You can find the links in the show notes. You can also find out more about the show there at Ask ntright.com and indeed do head over to unbelievable.live to register for our upcoming conference with tom you can attend live wherever you are in the world and be part of a live edition of this very show on saturday the 15th of may that's at unbelievable.live so now to leave you with that little easter egg i promised francis collins is a world-renowned geneticist and founder of biologos now directing the u.s institutes for health and working on the usa's covid response well last year around the time that francis was awarded the templeton prize tom appeared with him on the biologos podcast and as part of that they both pulled out their guitars for a duet of a song they once wrote together while at a conference it's called genesis so suitable for today's theme Uh, and any similarities with a famous beatles song are i'm sure entirely coincidental now you may have heard actually tom's solo version of this on a previous podcast back in the archives well here's his version with francis collins and thanks to biologos for letting us air this and do go and listen to dom's full conversation with francis over at the biologos podcast too Genesis Earth and heaven in a cosmic kiss Evolution must have been like this So I believe in Genesis DNA Shaping creatures from the dust and clay Double helix in the Milky Way Oh Genesis That's DNA Fourteen billion years ago, wisdom, grace, and love for his spoke, and it was so. Genesis, even an 
Adam in a world of bliss In the paradise we all know this Oh, I believe in Genesis Didn't listen to divine advice Einstein wondered whether God played guides And were trapped within a world of vice Why they had to fall, I don't know It doesn't say They did something wrong And we long for God's new day Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information.